Father, uh, you're the author of uh, the scriptures. Uh, our prayer now is that your spirit would teach us. Help us, Father, to grow in our faith, to be mature in Christ. It's in uh, his name we pray. Amen. Uh, I am going to start by saying uh, Happy Mother's Day. Uh, It's great to have you uh, with us on this special day. And look, families, yes, families are special. They're uh, precious and both fragile and strong. We're born into them or we get adopted as part of a family and love and commitment and trust hold them together and we'd almost do anything for them and yet we can walk away from families and families can come to an end and people can leave families and you know how it happens there can be abuse instead of love and support family members can stop calling and then they only show up at Christmas and Easter And you get to wondering if they were ever really part of the family. Look, I'm going to say that the Old Testament gets a bit of a bad rap when it comes to wives and families. And so I'm saying to husbands here, husbands, note clearly the godly wives in the Old Testament could and did run their own businesses without their husband's help. Guys, let's be better at loving our wives. But for all of us, I need all of you to use your imagination. If it helps, close your eyes. Imagine you're Elimelech. You're lying in bed late at night and these thoughts are going through your head. You need to feed the family, but finding food is getting hard. The famine is bad. Perhaps it's time to move on. And you remember God's promises. I'm going to list a number of them here for you. Uh, It's a bit hard to flick around and find them. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 3. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord your God promised you. Uh, Moses says, the land God's giving you, it's a great place. Everything you'll ever need, just as long as you listen and obey. But it doesn't seem to be working wondering what's gone wrong. If only we had a king to lead us. The judges don't seem to provide a permanent fix for things in our society. And just so you know, the writer of the book of Judges would finally say, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. But back to your problem, Elimelech. 
how to feed the family. And Elimelech himself, he's no judge. He's just ordinary people. And you think about going to Moab. They've got food. Ah, but God had said, Deuteronomy 7 this time, do not intermarry with the nations around you. Don't give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons for they will turn your sons away from me to serve other gods and the Lord's anger will burn against you. If we go to Moab, well, we'll have to keep ourselves separate. And then there's Deuteronomy 23. No Ammonite or Moabite or any of his descendants will enter the assembly of the Lord even down to the 10th generation, which was followed up with, do not seek a treaty or friendship with them as long as you live. As long as you live, no Moabite is to be part of God's family. If you go to Moab, there'd be no wives for your boys. It's hard to make family decisions, isn't it? Look, that's the background, really, to the book of Ruth. God's promise and God's warning and the reality of starvation. So what I want you to do is turn with me. Look, I don't care if you got it on tablet, phone, open your Bibles. Let's have a look. Ruth, Ruth chapter 1. The story of Ruth in the Bible is a story about ordinary people. Uh, This is one of those families who just seem to be filled with tragedy. This story is told in four parts. It's normally done in four sermons. There are four scenes here. During the days of the judges, the nation of Israel is in anarchy. The distrust in fighting is so bad that the tribe of Benjamin is almost wiped from the face of the earth. You can read about that in the end of Judges. There was no king to uphold law and order. On top of that, there's a severe drought. Bethlehem, the supposed house of bread, is suffering from a famine. There's no bread anymore. Naomi, she lived in those dangerous times in Bethlehem. Naomi was married and had two sons. Her husband is a good man. He loves her and is a good provider. Well, has been, not lately. The drought. Naomi's husband, Elimelech, comes home one day and he says, it's time to move. There's nothing for us here anymore. And so, verse 1 of chapter 1, they packed and moved to Moab. Uh, Life's good in Moab. The boys grow, and then tragedy. Elimelech died. Verse 3. Life went on, though. Naomi's two boys, they found lovely wives. And then tragedy. The two boys died. 
I'm certain that Naomi thought that her guts had been ripped out. Her hometown was dangerous and suffering from droughts and then death after death after death. Naomi had had enough. Even though it would be hard, Naomi packed her bags and turned to head home. Look, if you look at verse 6, you can see the word turned in there, or returned. Home for Naomi was at least that, it was home. And besides, she'd heard that the Lord had brought the drought to an end. There was bread again in Bethlehem. God had taken care of one of Israel's problems. Naomi tries to send her daughters-in-law back to their home, but Ruth is committed to Naomi and even declares she's changed God's somehow through Naomi's life and love. Well, Faith is convinced Israel's God is worth leaving her own family. And in chapter 1, the word return is used 11 times. It's the same word which we can translate as repent, actually. And you've got to wonder, how can Ruth return to a God that she's never known? Yet, that's how the chapter presents what Ruth does. Ruth has returned to Naomi's God. And so the two women return to Bethlehem. There, Naomi meets her old friends, but, well, life's changed. And Naomi, she's still hurting. Naomi tells her friends to call her Mara. Bitter. My life was full, but is now empty. And Naomi blames God. I mean, look at verse 20. She said to them, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Verse 21 I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? For all the emptiness, though, verse 22, mother and daughter-in-law return to Bethlehem. It's the time of the barley harvest. So, Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. And that's where the first part of the story ends. The second scene opens actually with a shock. In this country where anarchy reigns, there's a worthy man. Verse 1, Boaz, a relative of Naomi's husband. Boaz is a godly man. You can see that at the end of verse 4, the way he greets his workers. 
Boaz follows the same God who Ruth has committed herself to. Now, as with all tragedies, life must go on. Naomi and Ruth, they need to eat. And so Ruth says to Naomi, verse 2, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favour. And she said to her, go, my daughter. Look, it's worth reading the book, getting yourself a cuppa, sitting down, and just taking note of how often God is mentioned in the book. It doesn't happen much. And yet, in this story, we get told things like, and it happened. And you've got to go, yeah, right. But that's how ordinary life is, isn't it? You don't see God, and yet God is working. And so, verse 3, Ruth happened to work in the field of Boaz. Boaz, the good guy, he's noble and honest and loves his neighbour. In a world of anarchy, Boaz's farm is a place of peace and security. In verses 8 and 9, Boaz even tells Ruth to stay with his workers. They'll protect her. Uh, Ruth is amazed and honours Boaz in verse 10. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favour? There's that word again. It's a little bit like chapter 1, isn't it? You know, when a word gets repeated, you should take note of it. Here in chapter 2, it's the word favour. Why have I found favour in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? In verse 11, we see that Boaz knows the full story of Ruth and Naomi. And in verse 12, we get Boaz's hope, maybe even Boaz's prayer for Ruth, that Ruth would be repaid and blessed under the wing of God. Another word that's going to come up again and we should take note of. An unusual word, really, the wing of God. And Ruth again acknowledges the favour and kindness she's received. The scene finishes with Ruth going home with more than enough food. And Naomi is surprised. When Ruth tells Naomi she worked in Boaz's field, Naomi's bitterness is pushed back just a little bit. Verse 20. She sees the Lord's kindness. Naomi says, Boaz is the family's redeemer. He's one of the men appointed by the family to help the family when they get in need. And so ends scene two. 
Look, I've got some mother-in-law stories. Uh, I, I even have one myself. It's a good one. You can ask me about it later. I do love my mother-in-law. Um, part three of this story opens at the end of the harvest. And Naomi does the mother-in-law thing here and decides to find a husband for Ruth. And so Naomi gets Ruth all dressed up for a date. Now look, the plan isn't to trap Boaz. The plan is to make a private appeal. Which Ruth does by lying down at Boaz's feet. It's a cultural thing to something to some extent and we're about to go through several cultural things these are important to the story but they're not the way where to go about getting married in verse 8 Ruth uncovers Boaz's feet and lays down at his feet and look this is a little bit of Jewish humor here okay um we miss it they have a different sense of humor but they've added some humor into the story i mean cold feet is enough to wake anyone isn't it which is exactly what happens and not only does boaz have cold feet but oh there's a woman down there too uh, look at chapter three look at verses nine and ten Ruth basically says, Boaz, be the wing of God you prayed for, for kindness, for the loving kindness you mentioned. Verse 9, Boaz said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. Boaz says yes to the marriage proposal in verse 11. But as we all know, families are complicated We've forgotten. There's another. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. Verse 12. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, but there is a redeemer nearer than I. And that's really the end of scene three. Scene four. In the last scene, uh, in this last scene, Boaz deals with all the problems. It starts in chapter four, verse one, with Boaz going to the gate of Bethlehem, where all the judgments about law and all the rights are sorted out. And there he is, the other man. And Boaz gets ten elders to witness the decisions. And in verse 4, the contract is laid out. 
by the land of Elimelech. And the other man says, I will. I will redeem it. Better he uses it than it just sit there and do nothing. Then Boaz lays out the full requirement. You'll need to take Ruth as a wife also. Now look, again, this is a cultural thing. It's designed so that if widows can't work the land, then they won't starve and the family name will be preserved. And this nameless other man, he actually won't walk this path. He won't do it, and so he says no. And to show that he won't walk this path, he gives the right to walk this family custom to another. He then gives one sandal to the next in line, Boaz. They seal the path by the transfer of a sandal. Verse 8, so when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Boaz seals the deal, marries Ruth, with the plan to have children to continue the family name of Elimelech. In verses 11 and 12, the elders give their blessing to both Ruth and and Boaz. Ruth is to be like Rachel and Leah. Boaz is to be both worthy and renowned. In verse 13, Ruth and Boaz marry and have a child. And in verses 14 through to 17, we see this child as the fixing up of all of Naomi's problems. Naomi. We'd almost lost her, hadn't we? But here she is. She's happy, more happy than she's ever been. God took care of things through an ordinary family. He brought an end to the famine. He made Naomi happy again. And he dealt with the anarchy in Israel. From Obed came the noble King David. King David brought law and order to Israel. Ordinary people, not not judges, not prophets, not priests, ordinary people whose lives were a tragedy were used by God to accomplish great things. And along the way, they found happiness. You know, you can find happiness with the Redeemer provided by the Lord. He welcomes foreigners. He shows favour and loving kindness to those who are strangers. Because, well, he has foreigners even in his family tree, foreigners like Ruth. He's good and he brings law and order. Because, well, he's king. He's in the kingly line of David that descended from Boaz, who has that family trait of, well, favour and loving kindness. 
nobility. He is, of course, Jesus. And he can use your ordinary life to bring about great things for, well, for yourself and for others, even if your life is caught in the middle of anarchy. Look, Ruth starts really by asking, what welcome will Naomi and Ruth find when they return home, when they return to the Lord? What welcome then do we give to people who return to God? For Naomi and Ruth, they found that God had provided food and shelter. He provided a redeemer for them who will mercifully take on their debt, who'll pay whatever price it takes to provide what they need, purely out of, well, what the book of Ruth calls loving kindness, covenant kindness, a redeemer who'll fill their emptiness, and now a new redeemer in Obed, who'll renew their lives and sustain them. Which in the end is the story of all of us, really, isn't it? Uh, 1 Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 1, puts it like this. You were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as is as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Uh, Redeeming isn't cheap. The cost is, well, stepping in to take on the debt of someone else to set them free. And what Jesus has done is exactly that for each of us at the cross. So I'm going to say, look on this Mother's Day, take some time, ponder what it costs God to redeem you. Remember God's mercy. Remember also that as God's people, well, we were dead to sin. And now we are to live righteous lives. Ruth was originally meant to warm the hearts of the Israelites who were far away from God, calling them back home. Maybe maybe this story has done the same for you, painting a picture of God's kindness and a great offer that if you come back, the welcome mat is actually out. There's a fatted calf on the barbecue, There's a party waiting because God's a God who loves redeeming. And you don't have to live in your spiritual debt anymore. No matter where you've been, God's mercy triumphs over judgment. And just as we close, look, we as the people of God, we we need to love what God loves. We need to have the family quality, don't we? The family trait. 
You know, if you've seen the kindness that the book of Ruth talks about, then, then you should make that kindness your kindness. If you've seen a warm welcome for people who turn, return, come to the God that they've never known before, then you should put out the welcome mat, shouldn't you? Look, as we keep growing to be the church of God, we, we need to keep growing in our welcome. Welcome anyone who's looking for their debt to be paid by Jesus, the Redeemer. Let me pray. Father, um, thank you for welcoming us. You didn't have to. You paid the price. It was costly, the precious blood of Jesus. Thank you for your welcome to us. Father, help us to see your free welcome of others. Help us to warmly welcome and show loving kindness to them. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Thanks, Ray. Thank you.